This is Lori Frary, and welcome to Pressure Valve. No long intros, just long content. The following is a recent conversation I had with my new friend, Joshua Lee, who has a podcast and blog. He invited me to chat, so this is his content recorded for his show. Please check out his other interviews and writing on his website, shitshooting.com. That's shitshooting.com. Thanks, Josh, for allowing me to share this content with my listening audience. And class is in session. You're listening to Shit Shooting 101. I'm your host, Joshua Lee. Joining us today, podcast host of Flat Earth Conspiracy. Her website is flatearthconspiracy.com. A conspiracy realist, researcher, debunker, declassifier, and exposer. She is a light shedder, truth spreader, mind opener, thought provoker, and inquisitive questioner asking and analyzing and asking again, narrowing down answers to a fine point of reason. Here to sift through the illogical, irrational, and absurdities of the realm of lies and distraction, digging through to the path of sanity, otherwise known as the path less traveled, it's Lori Frary. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here hang out with you. Yeah, it's an honor having you here, and I know on your podcast you like to get right down to the nitty-gritty, get right into the conversation, so let's do it that way because I appreciate it that way. The way that I've always seen the Flat Earth Theory, I've always seen it as some sort of CIA counterintelligence program, as well as recognizing its underlying occultic symbolism. So, Lori, do you find any validity to the Flat Earth Theory, or is it entirely a PSYOP? Well, there's a dichotomy there that needs to be laid out first and that is there are at least two if not more flat earth theories the first one is based on the model that everybody uh, that it gets introduced to flat earth sees which is a big flat earth pizza pan with an ice wall all the way around the outside holding in the waters and there's a dome over the top, and it's an enclosed system, and sun and moon go around in a circle, and all that. Anyone who's spent 10 or 15 minutes looking into flat Earth, that's what they see. Then there are those who took the time to understand that that map and model concept is impossible, and it doesn't. The world doesn't work that way. So, but they don't believe in the globe. They don't believe in outer space and outer space travel. They do see, observe that the Earth appears flat and it has many mechanics of being flat. So they're in this no man's land of, I don't have a map and a model. I don't know how it all works. I don't believe it's a globe and I don't believe it's that flat pizza pie pan thing. They're still open for, you know, what is it? Who else has a theory? The other thing that I would probably say is important about it is when I first got involved in it, one of the first things I did was bought the domain name, uh, flatearthconspiracy.com, making sure that the term conspiracy was in there because I felt it right off the bat that this many people jumping on this bandwagon has to be a, a controlled opposition kind of psyop but why and what's it for and you know who who are they what are they trying to do with it and i discovered that there's 
so many people who are looking for truth outside of mainstream that the only place they've been, been able to find it is in alt media. And alt media, as you know, has been growing in leaps and bounds over the last decade to the point now where more people are invested in alt media than in mainstream media. So if we're smart enough to see that, then obviously the powers that be who like to control everything saw it and they're not going to just let it run free. They're not going to just, you know, not put their finger on the pulse of it. So they've been busy in the truth community for the last decade or more controlling who are the who are the players who are the speakers who are the content creators that get the push that get the subs and the views and the showing up over on this right hand side of the of the, the menu over there and and so on and trying to control uh, that but also trying to slip as much disinformation and propaganda in there as it possibly can. What I forgot to say is, um, you know, I don't I don't judge flat earthers. And, you know, I'm not going to say what the earth is because I've never left the earth and looked back upon it to know exactly what it is. I know that we have been lied to in so many different ways. So I don't judge anybody who questions it and has a different uh, outlook on it. But I haven't seen anything that's convinced me of that it's flat and I do recognize that it's used as this dismissal by association um when anytime you bring up any conspiracy uh, you know even the JFK assassination I, I I've had people ask what are you one of those flat earthers that's the first question they ask it, like I said it's dismissal by association it definitely made a big splash I got it invested in in you know, digging into it and researching it, um, the phenomenon itself, very early on, it was late 2014, early 2015. And, you know, like I said, I bought that website for the purpose of this is not about making money and not about controlling what anybody thinks or whatever. It was about this is probably something I'm going to be a, into for a while, not as much about the flat earth part of it, but about the social phenomenon of it, almost from an anthropological standpoint, and people watching and seeing, you know, who the players are and what they're saying and how it's leading into the other conspiracy theories. And right off the bat, there was a big fight. I mean, it was like a big division. People who were labeling themselves as truthers, they said, we own the word truther because it was coined because of 9-11 truth. And your flat earth garbage is belittling and, you know, making truthers look stupid and bad and dumb and gullible and all that. So we don't want you in the truther community. <laughs> mm. And so it's like, well, too bad. We're in the truther community because truth isn't just about 9-11 or JFK or at one of the other many million, you know, MK Ultra, New World Order, you add them all in there. They're all in the truther community. And so you've got all these tribes and camps and, and division and yelling and screaming and blood in the water. So, yeah, 
I found out real quickly when I looked, you know, dug into this map and model concept because that was what you believed in if you were going to label yourself as a flat earther. You had to believe in that map and model concept and you were not allowed to debunk any parts of it or, you know, say, well, I'm sorry, but the sun and the moon doesn't go in a circle. It goes across the sky, east to west, and it moves back and forth between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, no, you're combining, you know, mainstream science. It's like, oh, my God, not all science is <laughs> wrong. So you got to make it fit. They don't have to accept that you don't accept it. You have to make it fit or you have to debunk it and come up with a, an alternative theory that you can do in the scientific, scientific method. And the scientific method is observe, right? Yeah, see, what you, see what's out there. And, and then you have to um, test, repeat, then you have to predict. So if you can't do all those things, then your hypothesis falls apart and you're never going to get to a theory. Right. Me personally, I've read a lot on the ancient mystery schools. So that's where my mind goes in decoding a lot of this type of stuff. And I see uh, the flat earth as uh, some sort of esoteric attempt at manifesting the magical energies of the metaphysical plane through the conscious powers on the physical plane. Um, I look at what these shapes mean, the square, the triangle, um, and the circle. The square um, esoterically represents Earth. You have the four corners of Earth, the four cardinal directions, the four uh, main elements. So that's the uh, the material plane of Earth is the, the four, the square. And that's what the the pyramids represent. That's what the square and compass represents. The square is the earth. The triangle is uh, the creative principle. And uh, when you use sacred geometry and incorporate pi, now you have the circle. And the circle represents the universe. So you uh, combine all those. So you have the universe, the earth, and the creative principle all combined into one. And so that's where my mind goes with that, that it's, uh, it, yes, it's CIA, but it's uh, the occultic, you know, the deep state occult of the CIA. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I see where you're, where you're going with that and, you know, that correlation you draw and so forth. Um, there are multiple so-called maps for, uh, that people were in camps in, in the Flat Earth community and still are. There's the circle mappers and the square mappers and the diamond mappers. <laughs> Each one of them has a, a model. I spent six years looking at all that stuff, but it only took me about a, you know, a year into it to become vocal and say, okay, come on, this, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. You can't make this model work. If you can't make this model work, this map doesn't work. The map doesn't work because there's GPS and mapping has been going on on this earth for thousands of years and sailors and the whole thing. So 
you know, how can you possibly believe that there is an ice wall around the oceans that is 60, 70,000 miles long? I mean, get a grip. But the minute you start to not, you know, openly, vocally question, the immediate response is, well, where's your model? <laughs> You're like, well, I don't have one, but that ain't it. And the big channels, as you know, it was always referred to in the flat earth community. You know, there were like three big channel name guys who came into it from the very beginning and everybody sort of followed one or the other or two of them. And those guys all fought amongst one another and just like a, a little war. And I'm like, a war over what? What are we actually fighting about here? And I mean, if you are actually attempting to get to the truth of where we live, then why is anyone who questions what you believe chastised and chastised to the point of hate and, and, you know, other channels, if you're putting out information that is contrary to what, you know, the big guys are putting out there, then uh, you're a shill automatically, no doubt. And then on top of that, they literally will make fun of you, make hate videos about you, the whole nine yards. And it was brutal going through that. It put my armor of God on me, I mm. mean, to come out the other side. And yet through all of that, I accomplished getting 14 million listens to my podcasts, debunking over and over and over to the point of that nausea. And then along the way, I started throwing out other, you know, ideas. Okay, if you don't believe in a globe, how about this? Have you ever heard of simulation theory? Have you, you know, have you ever heard of, you know, now there's a new guy on the scene calling it the simulacrum or lacrum or however, you know, you pronounce that word. And that's something dug up out of the old days. The simulation theory has been around for, since computers have been around, if not before. Got everybody jumping on that bandwagon now who got disillusioned with the flat earth theory and flat earth community and and the association to it, which is a big part of it. You know, no one wants to be called a flat earther in that, you know, derogatory sense. It's like calling you, a, and you might as well just say idiot. You know, yeah, um, I, I on things that I can't prove definitively to myself, I never dig my heels in and take a clear stance. I just remain open minded. So I do have questions when it comes to Earth and how it's presented to us. Uh, and one of those things is, you know, we're told that we are, exist in a spiral galaxy and we're at the center of this galaxy is a spiraling black hole, allegedly. So if the universal construct is like water down the drain, why aren't the Earth, Sun, Moon, and planets broken up bits of spiraling matter? Is it physically possible for the Earth to truly be a globe? And if not, what shape is the Earth and what exactly is its motion through space? I would answer that question in a couple of ways. One is based on observation, not just mine, but historical observation. And one of those just you know, random questions you throw out there based on observation is if you go out at night and you look at the night sky, 
night after night after night, or even if it's once a month or once a week, and you learned about the stars and the constellations and so on, and how the moon travels and and, and the phases of the moon, you learn all of that, okay? And not, nothing about that changes when you become a flat earther. It's still the same observations. But one question pops up, and that is, how come if we've been spiraling and vortexing through open space for millions and billions, I always have to say it that way, mm. <laughs> billions and billions of years, um, how come none of these constellations have ever parallax? And if you think about it, if all this is turning and vortexing and spiraling and traveling, uh, I mean, is every single thing traveling and moving at the exact same speed right. with each other, not away from each other? And if that, if they're not doing that, then why can you go out on any given night and find Polaris in the exact same spot that people that lived thousands of years ago saw it, okay? And why can you see find the Big Dipper and know exactly where it will be in the sky? And as a matter of fact, stars of the Big Dipper are used to point you to Polaris because it's not very bright in the, you know, the southern part of the northern hemisphere. So it's kind of hard to find if you're just out there looking at the sky, looking for it, and you kind of know where north is, okay? But my point is, so if you have Polaris and you have the Big Dipper and you've got all these, you know, Orion's Belt and all these other constellations, why has none of the stars inside those constellations, which can't all be the same distance away, why is it never parallaxed and formed a different constellation? Do you know what I mean? Or just broken up the constellation where it's not recognizable anymore? That's a question that I had based on my very own observation. Other observations, like people in the Southern Hemisphere see the moon, and the opposite is what we see it in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, realistically, 90% of humanity lives in the Northern Hemisphere. Most people don't know that, so everybody you know, thinks that everybody sees the same thing, but they don't. So based on where you are located, you see different stars, different constellations at different times of the year. The sun is, you know, in the south in the northern winter, and the sun is in the north in the southern winter, and so on. There's longer days, there's shorter nights, there's all of these, th you know, mechanics going on. Somebody says, well, how come, you know, it looks like the moon is rotating across the sky? Well, it's not rotating, it's in a fixed position. It doesn't turn. But it, as it goes across the sky, it parallaxes a little bit to where, and I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll use it. Over in the east, um, it, it, the face is turned one way, but as it moves across to the west, it's flipping a little bit. So that's just based on perception of where your location is. So imagine if you live in the southern hemisphere, the moon is literally upside down faced compared to the northern hemisphere and try to explain that using you know their science or flat earth science or whatever you want to call it that's the, these things these questions are anomalies on top of the flat fact that 
thousands and thousands of people have done, you know, long distance photography and telescopic photography. They're saying, how come I can see so far? How come, you know, when I use a telescope, when I just look out my eyes, I can maybe see four to six miles into the, into the distance before I see what is called the horizon. But if I get out a telescope or a zoom lens on a camera, how come I can see so much farther? And so that what I was seeing with my naked eye was not exactly the horizon, was it, if we live on a globe, on a you know curved surface? So these are the kinds of questions that intelligent people put out there, and this is why the movement took hold and has stayed. Pretty much everybody who ever got off the globe never went back to it. Now, a lot of people went into flat earth and then came out the other side. Well, it ain't that either. Now I don't know what it is. And maybe went into simulation or there is a concave earth bunch of people. There's all these different belief systems, but they just won't go back to the globe. Yeah, as a kid, that's what was very confounding to me. Just being growing up a stargazer and being told that everything these stars, the sun, the earth, it's all traveling hundreds of thousands of miles an hour in a circle, spiraling circle or whatever. And I'm looking out at these stars thinking, how do they stay in perfect sync with the earth to where I can always predict where they will be the next night? That something would change, something would be uh, out of balance in that system. That's it's a very common sense way to look at it, but it, it's a question that needs to be asked, and I don't hear any physicist, astrophysicists addressing something as simple as that. And they're not going to, because they don't have a they don't have an alternative theory, and they don't have a ready answer, and they don't have some god awful three chalkboard wide mathematical equation to explain it which never has convinced anybody of anything, <laughs> you know. Right. You can make as many scribbles on chalkboards as you want, and most people's eyes just roll back in their head mm. because they're not mathematicians. And you can try to explain it to them. And they, you know, nah, that's okay, I'll pass. And so the whole idea of you can't, you're not allowed to ask these questions. If you do, you're a globe denier, okay, at, at the at the top end, you're a globe denier, and so I guess you must be a you know we landed on the moon denier too, and then all the jokes start and all of the you know uh, uh, the attacks start, and so you have to learn who you can ask these questions to or talk these talks to, because as you know, with most conspiracy theories, if you start talking to a mainstreamer who believes all authority and all authoritative mainstream belief systems, you're going to get that same reaction. Either the eyes roll back in the head and you get made fun of or you get attacked and conversation over. And so you're right. What are they afraid of to even try to explain this? And I'll tell you why I think that is because People assume if they never got involved in the flat earth community and learned the, the personalities and the players and the people, 
they automatically think that you're a dumb stock, you're gullible, you're stupid, you didn't pay attention in school, all of the above, but until you learn that there are science people in the flat earth community, lots of them. I mean, physicists and uh, engineers and you name it, they're, that is, they are represented in the flat earth community and they've been keeping the charge alive all this time waiting for answers and waiting for somebody to come up with well, an alternative model that it that they can accept or an alternative theories uh, hypothesis whatever and in the meantime you would not believe the massive amount of data being collected within the flat earth community about the observed world now there are tons of myths within the flat earth context and and for example an ice wall that goes all the way around this big flat pizza disc that holds the waters in because you know that was one of the jokes right off the bat of the flat earth what you know why how, what keeps the water from draining off the edge and there's all kinds of pictures and images of that very thing this big flat disc with water running over the edge all you have to do is ask the question how, how in the world can you take Antarctica ice <laughs> that's at the, the bottom of this realm whether it's a globe or whatever it is there's enough people that have been to Antarctica <laughs> and enough scientists and people from every country in the world and enough exploration and so on that you can just for you can just forget that it's this ice wall that goes all the way around the outside perimeter I laugh be and and I've been chastised for laughing but I don't care. It's ridiculous. That was one of the very first things that I asked questions about. Like, we believe what? I mean, as someone in the community, we're supposed to believe what? No, no, no. That That's impossible. There's been enough ocean travel. There's actually a, a, a yacht race that goes on down there. I can't remember what the cup's called, but that goes around the coastline of Antarctica. You think all those people are in on this secret that they actually traveled 70,000 miles or they only tra traveled a few thousand miles of it but said they went all the way around? You see what I'm saying? What You're, is the flat earth explanation as to why ice would be around the perimeter and nowhere else? Well, because if you, you can't have all this flat water, okay? without something to contain it. All water needs a container. I understand uh, that, but how do they explain why it froze around the perimeter? Because I don't, I, they don't. I don't, they don't have an explanation. I'm just telling you what they, what some yeah. of them believe, many of them believe. I was just wondering if you ever stumbled upon an explanation because I never heard an explanation as to why physically god, well obviously god had to do it or the creator had to do it i mean i, I there is no other, other explanation for right. or or the uh, the only plausible one i guess you could say was you know again north is in the center of this pizza pie map 
and south is the whole entire uh, exterior perimeter, okay? And the sun and the moon, or the sun for, for this exercise, travels in a circle, okay? And so the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer are still there and the equator, all right? So they're like um, on a dartboard target, they're concentric circles, you know, going out, these, these measurements. And so the sun's supposed to travel around a circle of the Tropic of Cancer, and the trop which is in the north, and the Tropic of Cam Capricorn, which is in the south, below the, in the equator in the middle. And seasonally, that's what changes winter to summer and summer to winter um, in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. And so, actually, they even coined the word hemiplane, <laughs> the northern hemiplane. So, the sun never gets close enough to this ex outside circle to, to keep the water warm. Mm. Now, you have to understand that also leads to the sun is local. It's not 93 million miles away. It's only maybe, you know, several hundred miles away or it, it's close, okay, for it to work in this model because all this is under a dome, you see. One thing so I will agree why... with them is I do not believe that they can accurately calculate the distances between the sun, the earth, the planets, the stars, anything like that. Hell no. It's all stories. It's all fairy tales. Right. <laughs> but it's accepted by mainstream mainstream authority in all of those sciences. I mean, you realize how many sciences there are, natural sciences there are, right? I mean, it's not just maps and it's not just uh, geology. I mean, it, it's Oh, astrology, astronomy, uh, the, oh, geo, this, and all, all that. So those guys all have to be in some kind of cahoots, or perhaps that's why there are so many sciences, because that's how compartmentalization works, right? And you don't get into my realm, and I don't get into yours. Right. I mean, if you go by the theory of question everything, which is what a critical thinker is supposed to do, then if you get a, if you get an answer that is scientific based on the scientific method, like for example, okay, there's still and will forever remain an ongoing argument as to whether this world, universe, the whole shebang was created, you know, by some Big Bang theory or by creation, intelligent design, right? That, that argument's going to last until the cows come home. So if that's the case, then if you can't even agree on how the universe started and you can't even agree on things like, well, these tectonic plates used to be here and they used to be together and then this volcano happened and it, you don't know. And you don't know how many hundreds or thousands, you know, of course we probably know how many hundreds of years these anything has happened on Earth because we have recorded history. But we don't know what happened beyond, let's just stretch it all the way back to three, four thousand years ago. 
maybe five. There's people who will argue, of course, that the shape of the earth has changed, the shape of the continents has changed. Uh, there's people who will argue that there was a worldwide flood that covered the earth, and that's why there's seashells found up on top of mountains far from the sea. And then the very other person will come in and go, no, 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 no. It isn't because the earth was flooded and underwater that seashells got up here. It was because these tectonic plates from underneath shoved up and made these mountains and they used to be under the water and you know you know all the stories you know all the arguments yeah um when you said question everything uh, a slogan popped in my head there question everything because what if everything is a question (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that's a good one i mean if you really if you really dive into that everything is a question Okay? I mean, it really is. I mean, we have made great strides in our scientists, you know, our science communities and so on. But I'll I'll read you something that I just wrote down, as a matter of fact, earlier today when I was looking at something else. It says, a different version of you exists in the mind of everyone that has ever met you. And it's very different than what you think about yourself. The person you think you are does not even exist outside your mind. Now. <laughs> oh, that's a trip. <laughs> well, but it, it, it's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no way that anybody that meets you or has heard of you or whatever has a full picture of you. Even you don't have a full picture of you, but... They don't know what how where how you've lived, what your experiences have been, and you know traumas you've been through. None of that, okay? So, what they think of you, if you walk into a party and you're you know the life of the party and smiling and having a good time, and but your best friend dog just died last night, but you don't want to be that play that victim card and have everybody, you know, be Debbie Downer at the party so you don't talk about it. And people who just met you for the first time thinks, well, you know, that person's a happy person (laughs) Mm. or whatever. Every single human on earth has had a a different set of of, uh, experiences and life traumas and lived in different places and observed different things and the whole nine yards, no two human beings could possibly have the same life experience unless they were attached at the hip like those twins. Even then, you can't be in somebody else's head and you can't put together what they think and, and, and assemble as their worldview, right? The same. So... In a sense, I can totally understand where simulation theory comes from. We're all just programs. We're all just, uh, if you go by like the Myers-Briggs theory of there's basically 16 types of uh, personalities and four types of people and everything breaks down within reason to you can put everybody on earth into one of these 16 categories. Well, that's not real hard to program, right? And then you just set them free out there in the world and they start all having different experiences. Well, they're all going to change a little bit from their original programming. 
But also, you know, this whole thing started a few years ago, uh, calling people NPCs. Have you heard people called that? Yeah, the non-player character. Right. Non-player character, which is a video game vernacular. And it means that you've got the players who are involved actively in the game, and then you've got the non-player characters who play some insignificant role, but they're not playing the game. They're part of the game. All right? Believe me, ever since I heard that, I, I mean, I, I go around picking NPCs out of a crowd mm. just by the way they act. And, you know, that's mean. That's, that's harsh. But at the same time, I literally have, have talked to people before and got into maybe something a little more in-depth than, hey, how you doing, how's the weather? And I've literally seen them go offline. <laughs> yeah, you'll find more of a challenge find, finding a player character. Right, right. And in video games, um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Free Guy. No. I highly suggest you watch it if you are at all interested in what's what the simulation theory is about. There's players, and obviously players are trying to do what? They're trying to level up, right? Isn't that typically an activity in a virtual reality game? And so you you play the scene and you fall off the cliff or you get shot or whatever the you know, game's about, and then you have to start over. And you do have some memory. Your player has memory of you know what you accomplished before, and so the idea is to get to the next level and then and then get to the end, be the hero or whatever the case may be. When you look around the world, and you just take this theory for example, and you see you start to see these non-player characters, and you start to see the programming, and you start to see players trying to level up. Then you're like you know. Who's program? Who who are the programmers? If there's players and there's a game, there has to be programmers. And who started? Who created this game? And all all you know, a whole another series of questions opens up. And so I immediately put that out of hand. And the reason why is because I can't wrap my mind around we live in a big computer program. You know, I'm sorry, I I can't go there. Now, is there a possibility that there's layers of the computer program or the simulation? Perhaps, yes. Maybe the original simulation was uh, a beautiful, wonderful analog uh, simulation, and we'll compare that to, say, the Garden of Eden or the beginning of the world, it, you know, if you're biblical on one stand and non-biblical on the other. But then... If you uh, think about submatrixes, for example, so let's say this original creation was this beautiful analog creation, and then the you know digital creation was overlaid over that, comparing it you know to the concept in the matrix, not the matrix itself, but the concept of the matrix. And that all of us are avatars and some of us are players and some of us are NPCs and so on and so on. What, you know, my first question is, what is the point of that? 
my second question would be how many multiverse layers are there and which one are we, you know, what level are we in now and who, if not humanity, is controlling it? Is it some big AI machine? Is it God the creator spoke all of this into existence as it says in the Bible or big banged it into existence? And so now I'm at this point where I coin my own word for my own reason, for my own explanation, and I call it a supernatural construct. That does not have the word simulation in it. It says construct. Construct is where I arrived at after I left the globe, left the flat earth, and left simulation. Now I'm in this, you know, questioning phase of, well, how does a construct work? And all, how, how do you answer all those questions I just previously asked? And supernatural means it's not simply some computer-generated VR world. I do see so many similarities to the concept of maybe there are players and maybe they're programmers and maybe there are some NPCs, you know, that don't have the same programming that the players have and so on. It's hard to, you know, differentiate between the two concepts, but I'm trying to keep the concept of supernatural in there because it doesn't fit within man's natural science laws. It's above our, our understanding of physics, which just like you said earlier, why doesn't, why don't any of these astrophysicists or anybody give us an explanation for why the stars and planets and whatever don't parallax? Why do none of them ever address any of the supernatural concepts? I mean, people have observed supernatural, we'll call them glitch in the matrix for lack of another term, but supernatural events in this world that cannot be explained using any of the nat natural laws of physics. Nobody wants to address it because why? You've pretty much already answered this question, but I took the time to write it down, write it down and it does use the word construct, so I'm going to ask it anyways. Okay. If this is the Matrix and we're all code, why would whoever or whatever created it program the possibility of questioning the Matrix or even the free thought to ask any question that may lead to the realization of Wonderland and its looking glass illusion? Wouldn't we all be hardwired towards blind compliance to the virtual construct if we were indeed a part of its code? Well, that's a very good question, and I have a quick and ready answer for it, and it's because I have investigated the same thoughts many times. One of the things that makes the construct, the globe, the world, the universe, all of it work is the universal law of free will. And everything that was ever created has free will unless it has been enslaved by another person, entity, whatever. So if you put into the construct or the universe, either way, however you want to, however you want it, whether it's a closed off universe, it, if we're here alone, or if it's an expanding universe and there's some other alien cultures out there that we just haven't found yet or they haven't found us or they have and we don't know it or they have and they're not telling us either way 
the universal law of free will free will fits into everyone and everything every plant animal person being angel other supernatural being you have to have free will what you choose to do with that free will is where choice and consequences come in and that if there is nothing else would be a valid reason to create this whole thing anyway whether it's a globe whether it's flat whether in under a dome and enclosed whether it's a, a construct of some kind or a simulation of some kind someone would no one would go through to through the effort to create all this if there weren't a purpose weren't a reason and an outcome and the outcome and the reason is what are all of these creatures I've created going to do with their free will? Where I'm a bit skeptical with the simulation theory is I notice in the years leading up to 2020, all these big name physicists were all agreeing, you know, they went from saying that we may be living into a, in, I'm sorry, we may be living in a simulation to we probably are living in a simulation. And there was, right. there was no debate on the main stage uh, to the contrary. And so that leads me to believe that maybe there was agenda in that where they're wanting us to accept this idea that we're living, we're already living in a virtual reality so that they could um, slip it in, you know, bit by bit to where we're not uh, defending ourselves against it uh, psychologically. I, I agree with that assessment. I have watched the evolution of the simulation theory uh, for the last 20 years. I first heard about it through who I think everybody will probably agree was one of the first guys who put it out there, and that was Nick Bostrom. I've listened to Neil deGrasse Tyson and some of these other theoretical physicists have these conversations about it and you know I can't remember the the scientist's name or the physicist's name but he he basically said we have broken down everything in we have been able to break down everything in life to code and he said this several years ago everything in life can be broken down to code of ones and zeros and that is where they you know, started pushing the simulation theory. And then I've also heard that if you break down sound to its smallest molecule, it is light. And then I've heard that, here's a, here's a couple of things that the mainstream scientists have been saying about, about simulation concept, simulation theory. David Baum, B-O-H-M, once posed this torturous notion. Reality is what we take to be true. What we take to be true is what we believe. What we believe is based upon our perceptions. What we perceive depends on what we look for. What we look for depends on what we think. What we think depends on what we perceive. What we perceive determines what we believe. What we believe determines what we take to be true. What we take to be true is our reality. Now, that is a massive amount of word salad, right? <laughs> so why would, why would somebody go through, you know, write all that, 
Then you've got cosmologist Paul Davies has over the years shared many deep thoughts on this complex topic. He has spoken so much on this subject that he preferred to let his past ruminations do the talking. Even as, back, as far back as 2003 in a story for The Guardian, Davies was posing brain-boggling simulation scenarios. Here's part of what he wrote. Mathematicians have proved that a universal computing machine can create an artificial world that is itself capable of simulating its own world, and so on ad infinitum. In other words, simulations nest inside simulations inside simulations because fake worlds can outnumber real ones without restriction. The real multiverse would inevitably spawn a vastly greater number of virtual multiverses. Indeed, there would be a limitless tower of virtual multiverses leaving the real one swamped in a sea of fakes. In Hinduism, there is a concept of maya, which is the belief that the world we experience is an illusion. It says that we, what we perceive as reality is not a fact, in fact reality, but is something else. Basically, what we experience is not ultimate reality, it is something else, an illusion. The thing that we experience as reality is not reality. By experiencing this, we do not experience reality. Ah, you see what I'm saying? Um, so what the, is the all multiverse this sounds like a, a scientific explanation of Indra's web, where there are all these uh, dew droplets on a spider web, and each one is um, infinitely reflecting all these other dew droplets from the other um, strings of web, and so you know it's this infinite reflection within a reflection within a reflection. Right. Okay, so you have to ask yourself, why are these guys getting on this bandwagon, okay? Right. And again, you've got David Icke, who's been known in the truther community forever, for years, has been this guy who, you know, these aliens came here and seeded our planet and were slaves and, and these reptilian overlords rule over us and the whole, the, you know, his whole backstory... And then suddenly now, a week and a half ago, if that long, he did a podcast with his son and came out with, he believes, he looked into into simulation theory uh, over 20 years ago, and now he suddenly has backed off of the reptiles and the, and the uh, alien cultures to, we live in a simulation, he's certain of it. Hmm. Now, you know, you don't do a flip-flop like that when credibility as a truther is so vitally important, right? So, was he living in Plato's cave all this time, <laughs> you know? I mean, for those who don't know Plato's cave story, a group of people who have lived chained to the wall of a cave all their lives, facing a blank wall. The people watch shadows projected on the wall from objects passing in front of a fire behind them and give names to these shadows. The shadows are the prisoner's reality, but are not accurate representations of the real world. Lots of people have... Plato's cave is a perfect example of what is reality. Plato's been around here for a while. My, my belief is that simulation theory is a psyop, it will be run like the successful PSYOP of uh, Flat Earth. 
and that there are already players entering the stage like I have expected and started looking for, and there they are. They're putting out their own creation stories, uh, their own theories. They're using everything from ancient books and writings to modern-day uh, computer technology and AIX, one guy calls it. The players are taking the field for the rollout of the next big thing, and that will be simulation theory. And they will create a, a cult following around it, and you will, you will be stupid if you don't go along from their, from their perspective. They will think everybody, just like all the flat earthers, thought that everybody needed to wake up to the flat earth. They will be the same way. You got to go out there and you got to wake up the masses that we live in a simulation. Now, why a simulation? Because I've asked that question. Why is that the next big psyop? In my opinion, it is to direct people. Now, I'm going to preface this with I, I, I believe in God. Okay. I'm, I'm a biblical scholar, baby biblical scholar. Enough that anytime I try to pose a position in my mind, I want to make sure it doesn't go against the Bible. Just an exercise I have. So I believe if you want to keep people away from God, uh, the original creator, according to those who believe that, then you throw out this simulation and anyone who doesn't believe that story will will fall completely in line with this one and it, it's it's a it's a there is no god uh format yeah we see that transfer over into scientism um right. in so many different facets um speaking of plato's cave we look at facebook's origins as a cia data mining and in, uh, disinformation center we see the breakdown of reality way back with Farmville and the like button. Hell, even rats in an experiment get rewarded with real pellets, not us. So in essence, Facebook has always been the meta curse. How far along do you think they are in their socio-psychological reprogramming, and what do you envision as their end game? Do you think they're succeeding? The, the concept of virtual reality prison has been around for a long time. It's been, at, it's been evolving, and uh, as we all know, the technology that they're putting out there slowly but surely is creating that cage around us, so to speak. Because at some point, once, if they're able to uh, complete their plans, at some point, you won't have a choice uh, unless you completely get outside of the matrix control system, you won't have a choice about joining in. And you, you won't you won't have power, you won't get to work, you won't, you won't, you won't, all those things. And so it's definitely a, a, a spider web that's been woven for quite some time. I have tried all I can to observe this tr incoming trap and try to avoid the web as much as I can throughout. But at some point, once it becomes a universal accepted, whether it's the Great Reset, WEF, 
plan or whether it's an actual Satan pulling some strings that we don't even see or whether it's um, the mega corporations who are going to control it all or, or whatever the case may be. It is an agenda. Nobody can argue that, it, that the agenda is in place and is actively being rolled out. What I find really interesting is that you've got uh, different groups of people who are f completely hyper-focused on all the negativity of trying to get the word out and wake people up about, uh, about the, these plans. I listened to David Icke in 1998, I will not forget it, the first time I ever heard him talk about all of these New World Order plans, okay? Literally everything he talked about back then has come true. The, there's a massive amount of the population that knows it, understands it, and sees it, but they're not doing what is necessary to push back and tell them just plain no, we're not, we're not having your matrix. And so I feel I feel like there, just like with every other time in history, there will become a moment, a thing that happens that gets the attention of enough people, affects enough people at the same time with the same thing, one step over the line that will create enough pushback that they won't be able to complete these plans. It's interesting how close these plans line up with biblical prophecy. It's pretty incredible, actually. And many people have asked, is this prophecy really coming true? Or are they trying to make the prophecy come true? Because it literally is tracking as, as a, as a, Bible believer and, 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 and a believer in God and the, the Bible being the truth word of God, I believe that there is no alternative. It's all already happened and there are, the outcome is already known and these guys are just playing the game out. My my understanding, my belief system says that they're trying to capture as much souls away from God before the end as they can. That that's the game. I personally, I don't subscribe to any one religion myself, uh, but I by no means am an atheist or an agnostic. I think uh, those two things are uh, very lazy-minded. Um, I think it was Einstein who said, and I'm going to paraphrase this very poorly, he said something to the lines of, uh, the more you think about religion, the more you're drawn away from it, and the more you continue thinking about it, the more you're, you return to it. And um, that's how my, my life courses went, to where I thought my way away from it, and you know, I realized that there's, there's a spiritual realm, and there's something very real there, and there's a, a reason we all have a God gene. There's a reason that uh, no matter what civilization springs up, it's going to have a religion. So there's something very human and very necessary there underlying all of that. And they d definitely are trying to um, 
not only remove that, but transition it into uh, the field of so-called science and technocracy and roboticize us. Don't you think that if you want to ruin God's original creation, humanity and the animals and so on, how would you go about it? You would alter their DNA, right? You would make them the least little bit less human or less animal or less original, you know, original created plant. And I'll give you an example of all of those. They have been altering plants with GMOs. They've been altering animals. I mean, a genetic modified it has been going on for decades, right? So if you are able to modify plants and animals and chemtrail skies and all, all of this stuff, think they would give up before they got to humans? Absolutely not. There, there's a, there's a, a techno, um, to, uh, what is it, human 2.0 uh, agenda out there, and, but it covers a lot of reasons. They use reasons like, oh, we're just creating better humans or we're trying to take out bad gene code for Ill, you know illnesses, uh, genetically passed on illnesses, and on and on and on. The agenda is first to control us, second to modify us, and third to control the modification to the point where at some point they'll start offering you to be little g-gods, to live eternally inside of a machine or inside of a cloned or robotic body or an avatar different than the physical density avatar that we, our soul spirit occupies now as humans. So again, if you look at that from the perspective of, I'm going to try to get as many souls away from God as I can, and or I'm going to wreck God's creation to where there won't be any natural humans left, and he's not going to want them. He's just going to destroy this place, or whatever. Start it, do a reset and start it over, which many people believe has already happened multiple times on the Earth construct. Yeah, when you add 2.0, it's no longer human. If you upgrade a human, it's no longer human. Human, uh, the human physiology has perfected itself. I was uh, watching a TED talk a while back, and it's an old one, several years ago. But there were these two scientists that were boasting about their nanobots that can reconstruct human cells. And the audience was just ooing and aahing and applauding like trained seals uh, for a fish. And, it, it, you know, it was just ridiculous and I almost wanted to vomit. But uh, they've been bragging about their uh, nanotechnology and how they want to put it into our bodies. So how full are our bodies, brains and DNA with nanotechnology? And what does this mean for the future of humanity? I believe at this point every single thing on earth has been corrupted with nano. Most people would just will freak out that thinking about it because it's like having little bugs crawling around inside of you. Now, if you compare that to the 
one of those have you ever seen the picture of those awful creatures that live inside your oil glands neck along in your hair follicles and come out and, and crawl around your face and right. and uh, it, once you see it i can't remember what they're called but once you see it you're just like oh this is going to take me a while to come down from okay <laughs> and so the same thing applies to uh, nanotechnology inside people. Now, if you know how long nanotechnology has been around, basically the concept of the bio-API, if you have been watching the skies for the last decade or so, 15 years, you've seen the chemtrails. You know the water treatment plants. You know this stuff. Is, you, you just keep, you just have to keep the GMO foods. They've put nano in foods, they put nano in flour that they make your crispy, crunchy midnight snack out of. Nanos are everywhere. Now, whether or not these nanos are inert and can be activated at some point in time, which has been the freak out from so many people with the 5G, the, the nanos are the payload, okay? is whether or not they activate them to become self-assembling and have a program and can, you know, be Wi-Fi'd into existence or whatever else, okay? So, I actually believe that we are on the precipice of, of being able to activate Human 2.0, okay? And most people don't want to hear that because it's it gives you such a horrific feeling of not being able to do anything about it. I mean, how in the hell are you going to get nanos out of you with, without, you know, tearing holes in your skin or whatever? And you, you don't, you don't know where they are. I mean, you could never know where they are. Right. And if they've even self-assembled or not, but I can guarantee you that there's enough nano out there that every single person, plant, tree, Beaver in the pond, flower, everything has got nanos absorbed into them by now. So, what are you going to do? I mean, what what are you going to do? And and if you somehow one day feel like your mind is not your own anymore, and your ideas are not your own, and you know maybe you don't even have dream time, which is one third of your lifetime is is sleeping and dream time, then there, there's only going to be one out, as far as I'm concerned, and it's, it sounds completely like the worst post-apocalyptic movie you've ever seen, but the entire electromagnetic grid has to go down to keep from being controlled at some point. Now, I don't know if that's in my lifetime, but we're going to have to go backwards and start, and start over, and maybe without any of this technology i see that grid going down as actually a uh utopian thing i see that as something beautiful you that needs brother. to happen the way that they're bombarding us uh from every angle it seems like a bad thing but to me that's actually good news it tells me that they have to do that because our bodies are so damn amazing at detoxifying all of these yes things that they're pumping into us. They have to continuously pump it into us because our body figures things out and knows how to excrete it. 
that's that's what I get from it. If you have to put it in the food, if you have to put it in the deodorant, if you have to put it in uh, continuous injections, and I mean continuous <laughs> injections, and you have to do it in all those ways, in the air, in the water, that means that you uh, don't have a very good weapon as far as it stacks up against the human body. God bless the human body. God bless the human body. I mean, it is an amazing machine. I mean, uh, whether it's in a matrix uh, concept uh, simulation or, or, or it's, you know, we live in this analog construct or, or we live on this globe. That, well, however it got, all got here and wherever it all got started, this, the, these babies are pretty fine-tuned. Now... Yes, people say, well, but what about all the sickness and so on, okay? Nobody nobody seems to be saying much. All, you know, I hear all these people saying, oh, you know, germ theory versus terrain theory, and we've learned, and there's no, there's no virus, you know, contaminating everyone and transferring here and there and all this stuff. People are not sick from some made-up COVID virus. People are sick because their bodies are constantly having to detox now with all of this nano stuff. And you think about that and, and you can't get far from that conclusion. I, I spent the last 30 years never, ever, ever getting sick. And I've been sick twice. What I mean sick is deep going through a body detox twice in the last six or seven months. And that's never happened before. And I haven't changed anything about my diet or, you know, the way I take care of myself. So, yes, I'm getting older, but so what? That's too big of a jump from never in 30 years. And I'm, not, I'm talking about hardly a sniffle or a cold or anything to a pretty major detox. And when you look up the symptoms of what I've gone through, this last one, it it completely tracks with radiation poisoning. And so am I being attacked by too much radiation or that by that new street light that they just put across the street with that new neon freaking light bulb and that thing on top, whatever that is? Or are they ramping up my smart meter or, or changing the amperage? <laughs> I don't even know all the terms of how all this electromagnetic energy works, but... I've been affected, and it's zapped my energy more than anything that has ever happened to me in a long time. I know it's a federal crime to try to incite uh, some sort of destruction of these things, so I'm not going to go there, but... <laughs> um, dot, dot, I, dot. I hear you, brother, and, so, and <laughs> you know, we, we all have the capacity to think about what we do at some point where it became, there's really not much other choice. Right. And you you know, you can't you can't get all of us unless you just zap all of us. And if that's the case, well then, you know, this is getting crappy enough already. Just bring it. You know, just bring it. Be done. I mean, if it if this is as good as it's going to be and it's only going to go downhill from here. I know lots. I mean, look at the suicide rate going up. Look at all the people sick and dying and so on. Now, you know, you, you've got the inflation, the price of gas, and hard to keep up, and hard to pay the bills, and all the whole nine yards. And yet, you know, spending, spending, spending money, and more and more laws and controls. And I don't know anybody 
that isn't fed up with it all. I mean, maybe they don't go on the air like you and me and millions of other podcasters, but there's nobody out there who thinks all this is great. Right. You know, who knows? Maybe if you believe in God, maybe God's cleaning us all up. Who knows? Maybe God's given us a programming upgrade so that we can deal with the nanotech. Who knows? I've got an open mind. I can t and I can entertain some bizarre thought. I mean, that should be obvious by now. <laughs> yeah, maybe sweeping the sidewalk for new footprints <laughs> to be developed. Well, I mean, okay, so what I try to do is I try to fit all of what's going on into checklists under different departments. Like, does it contradict the Bible, what I believe? Does it contradict everything that I've learned so far that I have, you know, enough empirical evidence to say that I, I'm good with believing that way about whatever that is? And when I look at, you know, this, the concept of simulation, really, it's not hard to switch from, and this may be one of the reasons, it's not hard to switch from, I live on a spinning globe, flying through the space, and I don't think about most of all of that most of the time because I'm just living my life and seeing what's on Netflix tonight and, you know, what's for dinner. So most people don't think about it until they're sort of forced to think about it. I'm the opposite. I think about the one thing that I've been accused of my whole life is you think too much, okay? Mm. <laughs> so, okay, that's just me. If it bothers you, I'll go away now, okay? Because I'm perfectly happy thinking too much all by myself and testing my theories and my hypotheses and, and um, my worldview and my reality. So I think I'm a pretty even-minded, level-headed person. Um, I probably wouldn't be that thought that way by people who, you know, hear me and say, I've never thought about any of that shit. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, you're weird to me. Uh, and I'm okay with that too. So yeah, I've... that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I've been insulted with the term overthinker many times. You're overthinking this. Um... Well, we have a situation here. What, uh, wouldn't you rather me be overthinking it than underthinking it? Um, isn't that what the brain is programmed to do, to think to its maximum, maximum capacity until it arrives at a solution? That's not overthinking. That's thinking to the appropriate degree. Until you get there, until you get to the destination that it needs to get to, that's what thinking is. Of course, and the number one purpose for thinking is what? Survival. Right. That's the first and foremost purpose for so much of the way our minds, our, our brains and bodies are programmed is, is survival. And if you can't think, you, you, if you can't forecast and, you know, prepare for what might happen next, uh, if you can't think about what other people might do, all that, is that overthinking? I don't think so. And, it, you know, if you think so, I'm okay with that. But as long as I can run faster th than you or get ahead of you, <laughs> the bear or whatever is going to get you instead of me. 
So is that overthinking? I think so. I want, I just want people to watch the evolution of this simulation theory concept, watch the players, see who comes on board and see what their version is and whether these mockingbirds all start, you know, saying the same things. For example, I had a, one other thing that I wanted to say about that is people need to be on the lookout for truthers, especially alt media people, especially because we've given up on the mainstream people. They're just stuck over there and they're probably going to stay over there because that's the maximum ability of their programming. But you need to watch out for these multi-channel networks linking this guy and this guy and oh and this, we're having so and so well he was just on you know Max Eakin's show or he was just on uh, you know Santos Bonacci's show or whatever but he don't, he was like nowhere six weeks ago where's this guy coming from and now and then you've got these new truthers versus original truthers some people call them baby truthers somebody who you know, the difference between somebody who's been researching truth for 10 years versus somebody who's in one or two years. There's a lot of people waking up in the last couple of years. So they have literally created channels and personalities, content creators, designed them for the purpose of leading people into these subculture belief systems. And so there's also a new trend where you're only allowed to be positive. People are sick of, you know, all the negativity and it, you know, they only want to hear positive stuff, which is, in my opinion, completely new age. But mm. that's for another argument. <laughs> you're seeing algorithm manipulation. If you don't know how to recognize it, then you need to learn to look. And that is people who come out of nowhere and suddenly, you know, you went to their channel or you saw them last week and they had, what, uh, 524 subs. And then you come to this week uh, or two weeks and they're at 34,000. I'm sorry. That just doesn't happen organically. Never, no how, no way. Okay. So, so you've got these cross promotional networks, you've got the algorithms working with inside all of these social media platforms, promoting the people that they want you to see. The next thing you do is go read the comments. If you start reading words like I'm dazzled by this information, mm. <laughs> this so resonates with me and on and on and on. And maybe one comment that, you know, says this is a load of word salad and it's crap, then you need to kind of perk your ears up a little bit. You need to look at the chat streams. You need to look at all of these things so that you don't get yourself sucked into the vortex of the this programmed information. That That's the only warning that I can give people about, you know, doing your own research looking for your own answers versus looking for spoon-fed information regarding these new topics. Whenever I hear, hear the word dazzle, I'm always drawn back to uh, the quote of the old comedian W.C. Fields, 
where he said, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. Right. <laughs> and, and you said the, the word resonates. Well, that resonates more now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, where is it resonating? Okay, you got to ask yourself, what does that even mean? Right. And, you know, is it, re- is it resonating in your gut, in your, your bioelectrical system? Is it resonating in your brain? Why? Why is it resonating? And pretty soon you you can understand that you're you're being brainwashed or you're being programmed more than likely if you start falling into these dazzled and resonating and and on top of that, when you read the comments under some of these presentations and videos and content creators a whole lot of those comments are not organic real people they're bots Mm -hmm. they're sock puppet accounts they're put there from the the uh, channel network group programmed to go in and and lift up somebody and support somebody along with throwing in you know another 10,000 subs a week and uh, you know this stuff is not organic. It's not. Take it from somebody who's been in the trenches for pr- pretty close to 15 years now in this truther community, strong. And I've watched how this, you know, how YouTube grew from nothing. I, I, I watched how all these other alternative platforms came into play. I watched the fall of the mainstream media to where the alternative media top players have more watchers viewers than some of the all of the biggest mainstream media players and i'm sorry but i just i've seen the manipulation and seen people advertise people have contacted me say i can sell you ten thousand subs for you know fifty (laughs) dollars and you, if you send them $50, within a few days, you'll have 10,000 extra subs on your channel. Now, well, are they even from this country? <laughs> are they even real people? doesn't matter. It's a numbers game, and it's real. Yeah, that's the last thing I need is an audience of bots. <laughs> so, or Chinese, you know, or people from the Philippines who get paid, you know, three pennies to sub to somebody. Right. In wrapping I mean, up here, um, I'll let you conclude this discussion however you like. The floor is yours. That that was my biggest sort of admonition is those new catchwords, if you will, that you may or may not have been privy to at this point. Words like parasocial relationship. Words like channel network groups. The whole concept of the evolution of the, the from the flat earth to the simulation theory and who knows what's next somebody introduces it it doesn't just come from nowhere and be aware that you know I'm not saying we don't live unequivocally that we don't live in some version of a simulation because I literally checked a lot of things that people were saying about a simulation and it is not actually anti-biblical now somebody might argue that 
and I would be interested in hearing their point, but just beware of these manipulations to the truth movement and that actually the truth movement itself is is probably not 100% organic. It's probably at least 50% manipulated, if not more. Maybe people started searching for the truth on their own and then got involved in these parasocial relationships and or new theories or whatever. But if you start hearing somebody flip-flopping, you can pretty much guess that they were, they're probably a part of this social media network and that they've probably been infiltrated in some way, shape, or form to put out certain content. And that's all I've got to say about that. All right, Lori. So um, my listeners, if they want to find you and your work and your podcast, where can they go? They can go, if they're interested in flat earth uh, conspiracy stuff, then it is simply flatearthconspiracy.com. If they're interested in a, uh, a podcast that I do uh, not about flat earth, about other topics, it's found on most of the podcast platforms as Pressure Valve Podcast with Lori Frary. Or you can simply go, if you can remember my, how to spell my name, you can go to lorifrary.com and find content there. So I've got it spread out all over the place. Awesome. This has been a very brain-tangling conversation, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. So I, I thank I, you greatly for coming on. I have too, and I just want you to know that you had great questions and kept my mind active and searching the whole time, and that's that's unusual for me, so I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I keep trying to tell people that I'm the best in the biz, but they just won't listen. <laughs> no, well, they'll, I'm screwing they'll get around. there. They'll, they'll start <laughs> listening. It's very evocative, uh, provocative conversation uh, and questions. So keep it up. Don't stop just because you get lonely out there talking to yourself. I, well, I don't tell them uh, what biz it is, so... <laughs> I don't I don't know what biz I'm the best in, but I'm in I'm the best in some biz people, or not. <laughs> I will have to say for people to go and read some of your blog and not just listen to your podcast, uh, because you you uh, are an excellent writer and really good at communicating ideas. Oh, thank you sincerely for that. And I definitely cool. encourage my listeners to go check out your work as well because it's absolutely fascinating and enlightening. And definitely what you need to hear if uh, you want to consider yourself a part of uh, the truth movement. I don't want to call our, ourselves truthers because that word has been hijacked and ruined, but uh, the truth movement, the truth tribe, as I call it. You're definitely uh, one of the, um, what do you call, if it's not a chief, what a female chief, chiefess? <laughs> Well, I don't know. One guy in the Flat Earth movement a long time ago called me the high priestess of Flat Earth. I really didn't like it all that much, but... Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Let's I, not go I there. Do, I, don't, uh, I don't think of myself as, uh, whether it's coming from a female or a male, I think of myself as somebody who's just trying to get people to think and ask questions. That's all. And that's so why I appreciate you appreciate so much. It, and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. All right. You take care. Okay, you too. Thanks. What is up is more than a greeting. It is a much bigger question than we typically ponder. What, pray tell, is up exactly? 
Is up what is above me? Well, that is sky. Yet if I look down far enough beyond the earth, there is only more sky. So in essence, the sky is what is up and what is down. If I were floating and tumbling head over heels in outer space, there would be no up nor down, only side to side, round and round in relation to the position of my head. For my head is where is contained the true nature of up. What is up is my mind over body. Up is a state of consciousness. It is a condition of thought and perspective. It is an interpretation of direction, and that direction, the ultimate course, must be ascension. So the jig is up. Let us wake up. Get up, stand up, don't give up the fight. Oh, we'll show them what's up, all right. It's going down, and we must get up and at them. That's what's up, my friends. That's what is up. Love, peace, happiness. Signing off. Deuces. <laughs>